My name is Joy Johnson, for those of you that don't know me, and I am the institutional chaplain for the women's building at the Department of Corrections in Cranston, Rhode Island. It's usually known as the ACI. And I love what I do most of the time, and I know with all my heart that God put me there. Um, I was asked to give this message called to lead weeks ago. And basically my testimony of how I went from primarily a wife and mother to prison chaplain. I love my testimony. I know that sounds funny. But I love my testimony because it is wonderful to see how the Lord opened the doors to this ministry by simply letting me do what was in front of me to do, leading me to those places. So first, I'd like to address leadership. Um, John Maxwell has this quote. John Maxwell, by the way, has been part of the faculty over the years of the GLS. Uh, he's one that has informed me and, and my ministry. Well, he says this about leadership. He says, the point of leading is not to cross the finish line first. It's to take people across the finish line with you. And this is sort of a pattern that the, that the Lord shows us in, in, in how he wants us to think about leading. In that same article, John Maxwell goes on to quote Bishop Fulton Sheen. It says this, Civilization is always in danger when those who have never learned to obey are given the right to command. Only a leader who has followed well knows how to lead others well. Good leadership requires an understanding of the world that followers live in. You know what it means to be under authority and thus have a better sense of how authority should be exercised. In contrast, here's the warning, leaders who have never followed well or submitted to authority tend to be prideful, unrealistic, rigid, and autocratic. autocratic. They lord their position and power over ours, others. Jesus warned against this in Matthew 20, 24. No, instead we are to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. If we desire to make an impact on others, we must first learn to follow under the authority of others, under the authority of God and under the authority of others. God's word shows us how to navigate what, what Sheen has said. He referenced the verse Matthew 20, 25, and it says this, but Jesus called them together, his disciples, and he said, you know that the rulers in this world lord it over people, over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them, but you, but among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. Here's key. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others, to give his life as a ransom for many. So we're not to look at leadership as what, who we can become, but we're to look at it as who we can serve. And it says, uh, further says in Philippians 2, 5 through 8, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. He's talking to us. He's talking to Christ followers, Christians. We must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had, 
Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in the human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. He came and experienced what it was like to be a follower, to be human. Okay, so... What are we supposed to do if we yield and have the same attitude as Christ? We're going to yield our privileges or our perceived privileges to God and to one another. Um, it says in the verses before that we're to be aware of others and that we need to remember that all people are valuable to God. This is one thing that, that John Maxwell taught in one of the sessions at the GLS, and he said, we're all valuable to God. How do we know we're valuable to God? Because Jesus was willing to die for each and every one of us. So that means we're valuable to God, and if we're all valuable to God, then he wants us to consider all humans as valuable and treat them as such. So today I'm sharing some of my core scriptures, uh, scriptures that have shaped my life and ministry, shaped me to lead in a way that God can bless. One of my favorite scriptures is this. It's Romans 12, 1 and 2. This is one that I use a lot in teaching in the prison. It says this, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God, basically our lives, our wills, our choices, to God because of all he's done for us, because he died on the cross for us, because he loves us. Out of that gratefulness, he wants us to, to, to yield to him. He wants us to let our lives be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. And this is this line, I love it. This is truly the way to worship. Okay, so when we sing and we pray together in a group, that's wonderful. Meeting God in songs, wonderful. But the Bible says true worship is more than that. It is our day in and day out choices, our day in and day out yielding to doing things God's way. Um, and then it goes on to say, don't copy the behavior and customs of the world. So don't be a leader like often the world's leaders are. Uh, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. This is, I feel like, a big part, the heart of the ministry that I have in the prison to, to talk and teach them about changing the way we think but I had to learn this myself. Then you will learn to know God's will for us, which is good and pleasing and perfect. He'll show us who you're supposed to lead. Families, uh, we lead ourselves first. Uh, we lead in ministry. He'll show us when day in and day after, day in and day out, we yield ourselves to him and let him change our thinking. So I've been a committed follower of Jesus since my teenage years, a long time. And I can look back and see very specific times and places that God has changed the way I thought. Uh, I have stories that are very dear to me where God just came in and, and changed the direction of my thinking. Um, but in regards to the launch to prison ministry, it's what happened in the early to mid-2000s that made a, a big change. At CCC in that time, we were introduced to the Purpose Driven Life's Five Core Values. Uh, Rick Warren's book, The Purpose Driven Life, introduces the five core values as connect, grow, serve, reach, worship. So connect to God and others, grow in our relationship with God, serve, 
each other, reach past our community, and all of that is part of worship, and they need to all kind of be present in our lives, is what it was taught. We were also introduced at that time to the Global Leadership Summit. These situations were huge in my life. It was just, it just changed the way, in my, my walk in the, in, with the Lord. Um, in 2006, specifically, the teachings began to gel in my life. The framework of the core values gave me an appreciation of what true worship was. I began to make changes and make room in my life for God to do, to work all of the core values. And then at that summit the, in 2006, there was a pastor, Wayne Cordero, who taught in part about what he called the soap journal, a way to, to study the Bible, to interact with, with the Bible. So um, it's, it's a real simple method. It's basically, SOAP stands for Scripture, Observation, Application, and Prayer. And he talks specifically about doing this in a journal, writing out this process. So now, what I do is, when I sit down to read the Bible, okay, I sit with a prayer for attitude, saying, I know, God, you're going to speak to me. I expect God to speak to me through the Word as I'm reading. Okay, so scripture, the first thing is I read passage. Okay, this is the deal. Devotionals, and the women love devotionals. You know, little bitty scripture, and, and we can name a lot of them, and then an explanation, and that'll be their Bible reading. And those are like little snacks. Snacks are good, but that's not a healthy way to get all your nourishment. God wants us to read scripture. He wants us to know the whole story. He wants us to to really to, to see it all. Um, if you're just starting this, if you're really going to get seri about, serious about this, I do not recommend starting in Genesis and going through. By Leviticus, you're going to go, what am I doing? Judges, you're going to go, really? This is in the Bible? I recommend that you start in Matthew. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Acts, read that, read it slowly, get to know Jesus through it. See how he lived, see what he taught, see how he, how he thought. Um, so th that's my um, suggestion as far as what you're reading. And then so the S, scripture, you're going to read slow, you're going to read expectantly until basically a scripture pops out at you. This isn't about reading, okay, I'm going to read my chapter today, beginning and end so I can check it off. No, this is reading, expecting God to talk to you. So when that scripture pops at you, it could be anything, uh, and you'll find that God is faithful and this will happen. It'll be something like, wow, this is what I need to hear, or I never thought about it that way, or man, I don't even understand that, Lord. Having questions and not knowing is fine. Write it down. Write the scripture down. And then, oh, observation is basically jotting down why it popped at you. Um, and sometimes it's, wow, I wish this, this person that I know over here could know this scripture. And then usually if that's the case, it's like God saying, yeah, you learn it first, okay? And then you, you, can, you can talk about it to somebody else. Then application, and this was the heart of it. This was the big change for me. Application became key. How was I going to apply my life to the scripture? And what would be different about my life because of what God was telling me through the scripture? So this is, it, it was a huge change. And I maintain this. You'll hear people say, 
you'll hear pastors say, you know, these scriptures, you should apply these scriptures to your life, and I maintain that that's backwards. I think that we, you know, just like God is God, we don't decide who God is. Scripture is God's word, and we're to apply our life to the scripture. We're to fit our life into his word. Okay, so uh, this application, it, it should have dawned on me years before, but it was at this time when I started doing this journal that it made a difference. My life needed to change because of what I read in the scriptures. Um, I had never been a journaler before. It just wasn't me. But writing helped the process, and my relationship with God deepened immensely. And it's interesting, my early journals, you can see they were one page, very neat and tidy and the whole thing. And then at some point I noticed I was writing about God at the beginning and at some point in my journals I was writing to God and this was a major trans transition. I went from reading the Bible to interacting with God within his word. It is an intimate and a marvelous thing that, that I didn't realize until I, I had the simple teaching from the GLS. Um, for instance, one of the life-changing lessons in my soap journal came like this. Um, and in concert with what I had learned from a GLS message and, and book by Joseph Grinney, uh, Crucial Conversations, we were going through a summer, my husband and I were going through a summer, a very difficult summer. Um, my children were older, college age, and they were making some very foolish choices, and I was angry about them. And I wasn't angry because it had to do with me. I was angry because being their parents, I saw this is where it's going to lead to if you keep making these foolish choices. And I was angry, and I was yelling, and I was crying out to God and the whole thing. And through the scriptures and through my journal, God said to me as almost as audible as you can have an experience with God talking to you. And he said, Joy, he says, I did not call you to be right. I called you to love. Now, let me be clear. I am right a lot of the time. I maintain that I'm right. But that is not what I'm supposed to let inform how I relate to people. And this was very important for me to learn before I dealt with other people that could potentially frustrate and make me angry. So even though I may be right, I need to process that with God and I need to interact with people in love. I need to let that love be what informs me. And so there is this scripture that I use over and over and over. At, at the, and, and God has helped hone this message because this was really important for me to take to the women. And the scripture is 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 5. And this is the message version. I love this version because, well, you'll see in a second. We use our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophy, tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God, you know, the world's way of thinking. We use God's powerful tools to, to do that. Fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into a structure of life shaped by Christ. I ask this question of the women all the time. I ask it of myself. What am I letting inform my attitude, words, and actions? Here's the deal. Emotions are God-created, God-given. Emotions in themselves are not right or wrong. They're just are. They're legitimate. And we need to encourage people to know emotions are legitimate. 
But raw emotions should not be what informs our attitude, words, and actions. There was a saying back in the 60s that started that said, if it feels good, do it. And the converse is, if it doesn't feel good, don't do it, okay? So it's like letting our feelings run the show. If you let your raw feelings run the show, you're going to end up being in trouble, okay? God wants us to process our raw emotions with him and his word. And the perfect place to do that is in a Bible journal. As you're reading his scripture and letting that change your thinking and inform your attitudes, words, and actions. So when the thoughts come to your head that generate a story, generate an emotion, you don't have to feel bad about that. But you need to go to God with it and say, how can my thinking line up with your thinking in this? important, such an important lesson, which led into this, that when I'm in the, in the prison and I'm, I'm dealing with a very broken population, and this broken population, when people are broken and people are going through hard things, they oftentimes hurt other people. You know, we hear the saying, hurting people hurt people. Anybody has heard that saying? Okay, well, a lot of hurting goes on in prison. And it can be very frustrating. It can be very frustrating to see people making the same bad decisions based on their raw emotions over and over again. And so you just want to shake people sometimes and say, don't you see? And God said, you know, and, and, and it'll erupt in a, in a class or it'll erupt in a service or it'll erupt in a way people are interacting with me. And God showed me that I cannot think of people as a problem. When they erupt in a service or they erupt in a class or they act out, I cannot think of them as a problem. I need to see them as people that are valuable to God, and I need to find a way with God's help to not set them up to fail. Do you see what I'm saying? It may not change what I actually say to them, but it changes my attitude in how I see them. And this all came and was revealed to me as I processed scripture through this, through this soap journal. Like I said, it was, you know, instead of reading the Bible, I'm interacting with God in the Bible. And I'll be just, you know, upfront. since 2006, I haven't done this every day. I don't know why, because when, when I put it on the shelf or just gotten too busy and I don't do it and I come back to it, it's like, why am I not doing this all the time? Because it just, it's amazing what it does, how it shapes me. It shaped me into a leader that God can bless. So back to 2006, because of what, CCC was promoting, in part because of the GLS, volunteering was a major consideration. And I began to make room to volunteer in my life. I was in a, in a situation that I could do that, and that's what I did. And I started to ask God, I said, look, I'm willing to volunteer, you just show me where. See, I didn't have, this is why I like my, my um, testimony, because it may be a little different than other people that launch into ministry because I didn't have in mind what that was going to be other than I knew I'd be ministering to women. Okay, so um, volunteering, I asked God to show me where to serve and where to reach, those core values. And um, I'm a quilter, and my husband can attest to the fact that Quilters collect a lot of fabric. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? If you do crafts or art, a lot of stuff comes in. And then we want new stuff, so we have to get rid of the old stuff to make room for the new stuff. And so I was in one of those transitions, and an offhand comment at the 2006 GLS 
and it was during a break, somebody was talking to somebody else and said, just made the comment of, oh, if you've got extra craft stuff or fabric, take it to such and such a place, and they'll do crafts in prison with it. And I went, crafts in prison? I can do crafts in prison. If I were in prison, I'd want to do crafts in prison. And so I began to look for an opportunity to do that. Well, there aren't crafts in prison. Well, at the time, there weren't crafts in prison. There was nobody doing it. And so it was interesting how God opened the doors. I, I started looking for a place to volunteer. And the only place I could find was a, a, a organization that was training people to be mentors. And this is another important thing in my life is I realized that that was not what God wanted me to do at that time. I knew that I had not walked anywhere close to in the shoes of the women that would be incarcerated. So who would I be? No one would listen to me because, you know, they could say, truthfully, you don't know what it's like. But I used that connection to connect with the prison, and God opened up an amazing series of happenings and events that we were able to go in with the craft project. Um, the details are really wonderful, but it's too long to share in, the, in this morning. But I want to just show you, this is what we ended up doing. We ended up going in, uh, Diane Smith and I went in in 2007. We went into the prison with this little craft project, and it was called Dolls for Charity. And what we did was we brought materials, and we let the women sew these dolls. We showed them how some who had never held a needle in their hand, much less would ended up making beautiful dolls. What we did was we offered to take the dolls that they made first uh, to give to their families or friends or whoever they want. We would mail it out to their families. And then the rest were given to charity. And so the women had an opportunity to give, to do and to give. And it was huge. It was a huge uh, success. They loved it. They loved the colors. They loved the fabrics. And as they knew we came in, we were coming from a church. But we didn't bring up God and we didn't bring up church until they did. And one of the questions was, why are you here? And when I say they asked, why are you here? They were judging our, our motives of being there. Was it an agenda? Were we trying to feel good about ourselves? What was the agenda? And during that time, I came to just, we just listened to their stories. We listened to what was going on. We laughed. And, and I fell in love with the women. And the amazing thing that God taught me by coming in with the craft program is my views of how to minister to broken people I saw were skewed because I hadn't walked the walk. You know, the, the, the saying is, well, all they need is Jesus. Well, that's technically true, except the interesting thing in listening to them talk and listen to them, you know, share their stories, they had encountered Jesus. They had gone to church. They had prayed the sinner's prayers. They knew the Bible, some of them. Some of them can quote the Bible better than I can, and yet they're in prison. So it, it's a little more than just Jesus. You know what I'm saying? And so if I had gone in with a faith-based program, I would have had it, well, I have the answers for you. And instead, I got to know them and got to love them and got to humbly see that God was going to have to bring his love and transforming power into this situation. Well, talking to them and meeting the, uh, the current chaplain and hearing about programs, I just, out of curiosity and, and just interest, I began to um, 
be able to, to visit the programs that were already established and offer my help. And, and I just kept saying to God, I'll go into the prison as often as you let me go, as much as you open the doors. And I'd just walk through door after door after door until five years after I got there and going through this process, I was offered chaplaincy. That was mind-blowing, mind-blowing, because you know what? 12 years ago, it never would have occurred to me, like I said, to even be a mentor, much less a chaplain. And this is the deal. I have no degree, and I have no previous official ministry title. I, have no high, I had no high position to look down on anybody working or living in the prison. And this was such an important part of who I was because I went in humble and I went in grateful to be there. I'm still amazed. The state government pays for me to talk about Jesus to these women, pays for me to pray for these women, prays for me. I get to open... Uh, events with prayer. I mean, it's like mind-blowing, mind-blowing. And God did that. He opened the doors. And all I did was what was in front of me and stepped through. Opened the um, but God is still shaping me and guiding me as, as chaplain because so often as, as Christians, we get this, okay, God, I, I, I've got it. I'll take it here. You know, I'll take it now. I'll take over. And we may not say that but we act like that. It's like, oh, oh, I, I've got a handle on it. Uh, I really don't need you anymore. That's how we act sometimes. But God still wants me to stay connected and to grow with him and to serve and to reach all of those as part of my worship. And, and uh, an example of that is, is this. As much as people may view me as an extrovert, if you talk to me, you may say, oh, yeah, she's an extrovert, no problem. As much as people think that, I as much an introvert. And there's a part of me since I'm working with people and serving God and ministering that it's like other than Sunday morning service, it's real easy for me to say, I, I don't need to be connected any more than that. You know what I'm saying? And, and God said, yeah, no, not so much. Okay, so in our church, they were making a big push for small groups. You know, it was that time of the year. And I just heard God saying, joy. <laughs> Even though, you know, with your schedule and it's going to be hard, I want you to join a small group. And so I went, okay, out of obedience to you, Lord, I'm going to go. And to fit in my schedule, I picked one, and it was on forgiveness. And I thought, oh, I mean, I've been a Christian for a long time. And... I've, I, and this is serious, I don't really have a forgiveness problem. I've dealt with forgiveness, you know, I'm, I'm good. So I thought, oh, this is going to be such a bore going to this class. And God's just laughing the whole time because it was such a gift. I cannot tell you the gift this class was. The, the study is called a Forgiving Forward. The, uh, Hebels is, Bruce Hebels is the author, and he has a book. And truly, I was right. He didn't say anything that I didn't know, but the way he presented it, the way he talked about it, was just the tool at the right time for me in the prison. I cannot tell you the number of women, because I can explain it the way he explains it, the number of women that I have had the privilege to pray with, to forgive things you can't even imagine that they have had done to them and to see them set free. And God gave me that gift because I intentionally connected to my church and did what I was told to do by God. One last thing. Uh, I, 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 
I cannot tell you, I still get goosebumps. It is just so amazing what, what God has done and, and the gifts and the tools through the GLS, through books that come out of the GLS, through what's being taught. If we stay connected, if we really do what God is asking us to do in the congregation, in our gathering, sometimes we go, I, I don't get it. Just do it. Just be a part as much as you can, and it's amazing what God will do. God has shown me in the last couple of years, when I start focusing on a vision, on a vision of what could be done, if I think of it like this, wow, if we did this, then this could happen, all right? And that is a valid way. I mean, we've heard many GLS messages that talk about a vision and how to bring it about, but for me, when God is dealing with me, when I think of it like that, God almost always shuts the door because my mind is off serving people, like, you know, Jesus said we have to come and serve. My mind goes off serving people and focuses on something bigger than that, which is, is not for me to do. I have to remember my focus has to be people are valuable, and loving and serving them is how he has called me to leave, lead. And that's something that I found by being, you know, in, in, um, connected to him through encountering him through, this, through the scriptures, by being a part of the service, by talking to people, having Christian friends that encourage me. So it really comes down, the, my whole, um, my whole, which uh, testimony comes down to this. It's these three things um, that I was intentionally engaged in what CCC was promoting. And they're going to bring that up. There we go. Uh, intentionally engaged in what CCC was promoting. Being aware and intentionally being a part of it. Um, Purpose-driven life was what was going on. And these five core values, I made that a framework in my mind uh, that I built my my life on. The Global Leadership Summit, I haven't missed any since those early 2000s. And in that, this gift, this gift of the soap journal, I went from reading the Bible to interacting with God within his word. This is just the heart of, that's why I spent so much time, because that's where I heard from God. That's how I knew how to, to live day in and out, day out, submitted to him, was through this. And then as God opened a door, I just took a step. It wasn't scary. That was the thing. It wasn't scary. He didn't ask me to do anything I couldn't do. Now, sometimes I had to reach outside of my comfort zone. Sometimes I had to reevaluate. But it was him opening the door and me being willing to take a step. And then remembering this, remembering that people are valuable and more important than a grand vision. Um, it's, it's about serving people. That's what God has called. That's how he is blessed the, the ministry that he gave me that I couldn't have even imagined, like I said, 12 years ago. It's, it's just amazing to me. And God has, for each of us, he has a place that we're to lead. It may be big, it may be small, but it will be important to his kingdom if we engage in it and we let him bless us. So I'm going to pray for us um, that this will become a reality in all of our lives.